This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Do you like sci-fi, fantasy, action, adventure, and comic books? Then you've come to the right place for your weekly dose of anything and everything geek. So strap in and let's get this show on the road. Welcome to the Science Fictionary Podcast. Welcome back, sci-fi fans, to another episode of the Science Fictionary Podcast. I'm Andrew, and I'm here tonight with David. Hello. And uh, Daniel forgot it was podcast night, and Marisha is away at work, so it's just the two of us tonight. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit, it might be one of the more controversial topics I think we've ever really decided to delve into, and I don't necessarily look at it as us trying to be controversial. I think that there's some things kind of happening in the the movie world and specifically the way that fandoms are now looking at movies that are less than healthy. So I kind of I kind of want to talk about those things a little bit. Yeah, I think that it's a it's a great idea for a topic and and when you brought it up, I didn't really see the connection at first, but it makes perfect sense. Um now don't, don't now, fans, don't worry. We're not gonna like spit some hardcore political beliefs here or anything like oh, no, that. No, no, We're no. just talking um, about some Star Wars and some Ghostbusters. But I'll let you explain uh, what we're what we're talking about here. Yeah, things things would have to be pretty awful for me to venture down the politics road. That has <laughs> been a uh, that has been a a hard no on this podcast since the inception of the idea for this podcast. <laughs> Yeah, one of the first things we said was like, let's not talk about politics. Yeah, ever. Um, you know, and it's it's not that I don't think I know. Me and your dad have had some really interesting political uh, conversations. I, I think we could have some really interesting conversations. I just don't want to take my podcast that direction. Yeah, this is not a political podcast. But this is a Star Wars podcast. A, well, just it, as well this is the science fiction podcast. But uh, I, I think sometimes to talk about things, you can't help but border on. There are certainly some par- some political parallels to what we're going to talk about tonight. It's not that it's not that what we're talking about is political, but it's sort of a reflection of the political climate in this country currently. I think it that is, kind of like a microcosm. Yeah, I I think that there are some parallels to the way people are viewing movies and the way people are viewing politics. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know what the blame for that is. I don't know if it's because of people constantly interjecting politics into film, or if it's because of people constantly seeing politics in films when it's not even there. Right. Or some of it's probably both. Uh, it's yeah. usually, it's usually both sides taking things out of a little too far that, that cause it, things it, like this. And it's it, sides are, people are really good when they want to believe something and they want to find meaning in something, they will find it. Yeah. They will contort it. Uh, I used to play this game as like a middle schooler where I would make everything related to the Illuminati. Like I'd look at a door that was like, like, Oh, this is number, this is door number three, four, five. Well, there's three and then there's three numbers in the door so that's three three like 
Right. I can make anything related to that. So people can look at anything. And if they want to find some sort of political belief that matches exactly what they think, they will find it right in there somehow. All right. Well, let me, uh, let me just kind of give the first topic. I, I think, I think the two are kind of related, but not exactly, but I'm going to start us off with what very easily could have been a Coruscant radio underground topic, but we've mm-hmm. talked about it and it's kind of concerning the last Jedi and, Luke Skywalker more specifically. But I feel like that, first of all, I've talked about it on Coruscant Radio Underground, but secondly, I feel like it's sort of grown beyond um, just being a Star Wars thing. I really mm-hmm. think that the, the, the lines, the battle lines that were drawn in the fandom after The Last Jedi have kind of affected all fandom type movies since. And so I kind of want to start off, actually it might be better off to start off with the Ghostbusters theme. What do you think? Uh, yeah, let's go with the Ghostbusters thing and relate it back to okay. last Jedi. So um, I'm going to start off by just reading a couple. There's a, there's some early Ghostbusters uh, afterlife reviews out there and I, I'm not going to read the whole reviews. I'm just going to kind of read you their, their taglines. Um, and these aren't just nobodies. These are, these are big name reviewers from big companies. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, Scott Mendelson from Forbes, uh, said like the rise of Skywalker, the worst parts of afterlife exist as a comforting, don't worry, middle-aged men, your fandom is still the (laughs) bestest head pat. Courtney Howard from IndieWire said, despite a fresh female forward spin and clever evolutions of its hallmarks, this resurrection of a beloved franchise suffers from an over-reliance on its previous life. Not, not as funny as the first one, but uh, <clears throat> sort of condescending. Um, <laughs> and then the guy from, you know, this is the AV Club. This isn't as big of a... Uh, uh, well, Jermaine Lucia, who is a, a big time reviewer, his, his title was Ghostbusters Afterlife is great until it's derailed by gratuitous fan service. Uh, and then Jesse Hassinger from the AV Club said, it's a particularly craven reboot strategy. Send the audience on a journey of assurance, in this case, that their childhood heroes were great and the toys they played with were super cool. It's um, a reboot. It, it's not a reboot. That's that's kind of the first thing that, that gets my attention um, in those is that this isn't a reboot at all. It's it's a sequel. And I don't understand how we've reached this point where we expect sequels to not lean on the things that came before them. Yeah, and just the fact that acknowledging that things came before and they were cool makes you like a middle-aged crybaby. Right. Or, um, yeah. So condescending, like your toys were super cool. Yeah. And, and the thing that gets me and the reason I'm drawing the comparison, first of all, Scott Mendelson actually, you know, talking about the rise of Skywalker, which all the, you know, that's the one, the, that one really, hurt the feelings of a lot of the hardcore last Jedi fans who felt like the rise of Skywalker served to try to undo some of what they loved about the last Jedi. 
because middle-aged men were being crybabies that The Last Jedi ruined my characters. Right. That's because Ron meant. Johnson called people man-babies, and, and everybody has been super serious about that. Did he actually call people man-babies? Yes, he actually did. Okay. Um, which is why, you know, that's the thing. Like, I had no gripe with Ron Johnson. Ron Johnson at a Celebration... Orlando was absolutely amazing with the fans. Yeah. Um, he's a, he's like he's a great filmmaker. He's a he's a great filmmaker, but at the point where someone doesn't like your movies, so you call them a bunch of man babies. Yeah, there was gonna be a division in the fandom, but he made it way worse than it ever yeah. had to be by making. That's that like statement. when that's like when Zack Snyder called us um, children for for not wanting Batman to shoot people in the face. Right. <laughs> yeah. It, it's this idea that you're going to make a sequel to something and you shouldn't appeal to the original fan. You're going to bring something back from 30 years ago, but you shouldn't make any appeal to the original fans. You should only be making this for the new fans. Yeah. And if you do, Thing you're just trying to do a cheap cash grab and, and you're um, you, there's nothing new or original about it and, and and if 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 they do do something new and you don't automatically like it then you're just being a crybaby about it because you can't let go of your old stuff and yeah there's these very black and white ideas about sequels slash reboots that definitely I think really started with the last Jedi. Like I see the comparison there. Cause you know, last Jedi came out and a lot of people were not happy with the way that Luke was portrayed. And a lot of people were, but a lot of people thought it was really, really cool. And the argument used against people who didn't like it was, well, you just can't accept that the change is happening and you're just upset that it's not the same Luke Skywalker you grew up with. Well, it's time to grow up and move on. This is a new generation. And then the argument used against people who really liked Last Jedi, the arguments used against them is, is, well, this is just not my character. This is not the character that was in these original movies. And this is a sequel to those movies, whether you like it or not. Right. This is a sequel and this is not the character. And that's why I don't like it. Um, of yeah. course, on both sides, there are extremes, you know. I don't agree with people. Now, personally, I'm on the side of I don't like The Last Jedi because of what they did to Luke. But I don't agree with people who yell at people who like Last Jedi. You know, like, I, if you like Last Jedi, I think that's great. Awesome. I think that that's really cool. I, I do find value in the movie. I think it's a great movie. And I don't agree with people who would yell at you and say that you just don't understand the character and you're not a real fan if you like The Last Jedi. Um, right. Gatekeeping. Gatekeeping is, is one of the worst cancers in fandom mm -hmm. uh, and, and in many different ways. And that's one of them. If you call somebody not a real fan for whatever reason um, – you could say the same thing. There are people who say you're not a real fan if you hate The Last Jedi because a real fan would appreciate the change and the growth of the character and stuff like that. Right. Um, you can always twist around these arguments to fit whatever it is you're trying to say. And when the truth is, there really shouldn't be many arguments at all because it's 
it, now these 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 stories and these characters are super important to me personally, but it is just fiction. There's no reason to yell at another human being about it. Right. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at with The Last Jedi. It's like, there's a lot of things I don't like about it. There's some things that I do. But there's kind of this road that we've been going down where because it is so divisive, it's actually made me like it less. I see what you're saying. Um, just almost like resentful of like what it has done to now. Well, like, and, that, and that's kind of where I'm going with this is because I feel like within big fandom movies, so whether it be MCU movies, DC movies, Ghostbusters, Star Wars, even Star Trek and things like that, like there is now this big thing, like this line drawn in the sand among fandoms where, and I was telling you this before we started, it's kind of like there's a, a, a before the last Jedi and an after the last Jedi way of looking at the way that large fandoms look at their franchises. And it's, I don't, and I don't think it's healthy. And I, and I think this is some of that because I think some of these negative reviews, I, I, you know, based on these four reviews, I can't prove it, but there were predictions of bad reviews on this movie before they ever started making it because the critics were so upset that people didn't love the last Ghostbusters movie. The 2016 Ghostbusters movie. And so there was a lot of thought that, well, the, the critics are going to take this one out on, you know, the fact that fans didn't agree with them on that one out on this movie. And it's kind of what it looks like is happening, at least with some people. Now, I might see the movie. You know, we've talked about this many times on the show is there's good fan service and there's bad fan service. Yeah. Um, and it's possible that it gets lost in the fan service. Rather than yeah, telling a fresh sure. story, you know, so without seeing it, I can't, I can't say that, but some of these are not, you know, like Jermaine Lucier's comment about afterlife is great until it's derailed by gratuitous fan service. That's possible. Yeah. But the, the, oh, don't worry, you're middle-aged, don't worry, middle-aged men, your fandom is still the bestest. That's just <laughs> condescension. That is condescension. It's talking down. Um, for sure. See, the problem with these reviews and what I think the problem is going to be overall with movies in a post-Last Jedi world is that a movie just simply cannot be judged on its own anymore. Yeah. Um, now, on one hand, I think that that... Um, is a bad thing. On the other hand, I see why, like the reason I don't like the last Jedi is because I'm not judging it on its own. I'm it, judging it as part of the franchise. Same. But as, I because I think that have there's to be able to look at it and say that this is good as a movie. Yeah. And I like, like the filmmaking. There's things I like about it, but Ghostbusters afterlife, it's almost like it's not even get, being given a fair chance to be judged as its own movie because it has to come up with this baggage of the 2016 Ghostbusters movie and the previous ones and this idea post Last Jedi that if there is – and post Rise of Skywalker – that if there is any sort of fan service, then you're just appealing to man babies. Right. 
And it's like if Bill Murray shows up in it for five seconds, then people are going to say, well, he's only in it to make sure that the that the old white dudes are happy. This movie stinks. Boo. And that's a problem. Now, it's also a problem if, for example, let's say that no Ghostbusters were in this movie at all. It's like no, none of the original, but it was a good movie still. And then people were were mad at it for not having the original Ghostbusters, even though it's a good movie. Right. I think there's a problem there. That's what I'm on the other side of Last Jedi, where people were just really mad at Last Jedi and unable to judge it in any way as its as its own movie. And 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 that's the kind of problem with this post Last Jedi world is it's it's very black and white, and you have to kind of take a stance. When it comes to movies like this, you either love it or you hate it. It either ruins the franchise or it's a brave new direction. It can't be anywhere in the middle. It, right. it is one of the two. And we're saying we're spitting a lot of things right now. And I hope that the audience is able to get what we're saying and where we're coming from, because I'm listening to myself and I'm even like I'm just saying a <laughs> lot of stuff, a lot of words. But I hope what we're saying is making some kind of sense. Um, yeah. and, and what we're getting at. And it's, not, it's one of, this is one of the things that's kind of hard to put into words. It is. And it, it's, it's one of those things that it's very hard to figure out exactly how to say it. Um, but it, I do feel like it's worth talking about because I, I feel like it is creating this really unhealthy way of looking at movies. It's almost like the battle lines are drawn from the moment a movie is announced. Like, you know, we don't even wait and see it. It's we we get an announcement that a movie's being made, and in Ghostbusters Afterlife is like the prime example of of that happening because after the Ghostbusters movie that was a big flop a couple of years ago, that was a total reboot. It, it totally ignored the originals and was like a whole reboot of um, yeah of Ghostbusters, and it just didn't do well. It didn't resonate well. It's not a very good movie. I don't even think, you know, you can, people say, well, people didn't like it because it's an all-female cast. There's plenty of great movies out there that are an all-female cast. It just wasn't a good movie. And because of that, when they announced this one, one, the the hardcore, the old school fans went, yeah, now we're going to get our way. Yeah, which I think is a problem. Which is a problem. And the others went, oh, now we're just going to ignore this movie that came out a couple of years ago. We're going to pretend like it never happened. Yeah, just to appeal to man babies. Just to appeal to man babies. And there are big problems with both of those statements. Yeah, for sure. And you're right. Like battle lines are drawn instantly. And it's like you got to pick a side. Right. And it's not about making a good movie anymore. No, it's not about. And the thing about when you're doing a reboot is. You, yes, it has to be about making good, a good movie. But when you're doing something that is part of a franchise, it, needs it becomes fit. more than just it has to be a good movie. It, it becomes how do we build upon what was before? How do we um, pay tribute to that? How do we acknowledge that? How do we not ruin that? If we're, if we're watching Ghostbusters Afterlife and it turns out that every single character became – like, I don't know if freaking Dan Aykroyd's character became an axe murderer. Like, I think that that would ruin yeah. his character of the past ones. Like, that would suck. And if I said that, then you you don't get to be like – then people might say, oh, well, you just don't like it because you can't handle that your precious character changed. And it's like, no, it's just – it ruined the character. Um, 
and and so that's something you have to deal with whenever you're making a sequel to something that's part of a franchise is there are things that came before and it's okay to lean upon that and i'm with you where i don't understand why that is now suddenly when did that become a bad thing to lean upon and draw upon what came before in a franchise and i and i think that it's only can i think that it's a large group of people only see it as a bad thing when the movie, when they believe this movie is being made to appeal to a certain group of people, mm-hmm. um, that particular group of people right now being middle-aged white men. Yeah. But let's, I mean, here's the thing there have, you know, it's like, Oh, well girls could be star Wars fans now too. It's like, well, girls were always star Wars fans. There were always female star Wars fans. There were always strong women in, in star Wars, there, you know, it, it's like all these things that we try to put on the last Jedi and say, well, it's the first to do these things. Like, no, it, it's not. And it's not that it's not just, it, it's not just middle-aged men that felt or middle-aged white men, even that felt offended by the last Jedi. Yeah. It's the generation that, that grew up with star Wars the the original Star Wars generation and largely their children, the children of the original Star Wars generation. Yeah. And that's a lot of people to just like cast aspersions at and say, well, these people want it. It's like, it's a lot. It's not, you're not talking about like a fringe group. You're talking about a large portion of the movie going audience. Yeah. It's like it's it makes no sense to try to act like that big of a group is the reason we can't have nice movies. It's like, yeah, it's like if you want like, I don't know. It, it's hard. To, I don't want to get into a a stone casting uh, thing here, but it, it's. I, I feel like, and it's like I said, I said this already, I feel like there's this thing going on where the battle of is The Last Jedi a great movie or not is now playing out across all the fandoms. And it's right. making it almost miserable to participate in those fandoms. Yeah. Um, and, and that's kind of where I want to go uh, as we kind of move forward, kind of the, it's the second topic, but it's, I, I feel that it's an extension of this conversation. Um, and I, I feel like, like I said, when we were starting off, this could have been a Star Wars topic, of course, not Radio Underground topic, but I, I feel like it's, it's because of what we've been talking about that it's grown beyond that. And so... Um, what I wrote down here was people defend making a character like Luke Skywalker more real by bringing him down a peg or having him experience failure, give up, etc. In the wider scope, is viewing fictional heroes this way potentially damaging to fantasy storytelling? Okay, so what you're asking is like, is viewing fictional heroes in a way is is it damaging for to have your fictional heroes? fail the way that he failed. I I think that it's okay to have characters experience failure. I'm not, I'm not saying nothing but fail the entire original trilogy. Right. (laughs) Okay. Not nothing, but like he, 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 he had, it was a very up and down thing. Right. Um, 
Well, that's the thing is acting like the middle chapter of a trilogy being, and I've said this before, you know, The Last Jedi. Well, you know, everybody um, experiences failure in that movie. It's the first time that was done in Star Wars. Well, not really, because that's Empire Strikes Back. That's, that's Empire Strikes Back. Um, even in A New Hope, Luke experiences failure. Yeah. He experiences setbacks all the time. Um, and he gets that big success at the end. But then in The Empire Strikes Back, he just loses. Yeah. Luke. And I'm saying this with all the love that I possibly can. Luke sucks. Like he's doing, but he's doing his best. Right. It's, it's, it's the like hero's he, journey. He's, he's a character that was not ready for this journey. No. And, and, and he left and he went to fight Darth Vader and he lost and he got his hand chopped off. But in the process, he did help his friends escape. And so it's like a win and a loss and it's ups and downs. And then you get to return of the Jedi and his plan to save Han fails at first. Like he fails, but then he does get back up. He doesn't, he never gives up. Um, and then when it comes to the final battle, he doesn't win. It's just, he it, like with, with, with lightsaber skills, when he, mm -hmm. he is able to redeem his father and then his father defeats the emperor who was the true villain that needed to be defeated. Luke didn't like stab Palpatine through the heart with a lightsaber and have this big epic moment. Like Luke failed a lot, but yeah. he never gave up. The the thing is, is like failure was nothing new in Star Wars, but I think I mean on a grander scheme because basically, you know, the thing about Luke is he fails, but he always plods forward mm -hmm. uh, in the originals. He always continues to grow as a character and to move forward, become more powerful and in The Last Jedi, we see in, in the argument that's been made, you know, a lot of other podcasters, I'm not going to name names, but uh, a lot of podcasters, YouTube talking heads and people that support it, you know, support The Last Jedi say, well, that's what happens. You know, you get to be middle age and you, you realize you haven't accomplished the things you set out to accomplish and you, your life has ultimately not measured up to what you wanted it to be. And that's just life. And you have a midlife crisis. Right. Now, frankly, I don't think that is, I think that some people have that midlife, you know, that, that moment in their life where they just go, I failed. I failed at everything. Yeah. I don't think that's your normal human story. Yeah. Um, I think that not, not on that degree, not on the point where I'm going to go away and I'm going to cast it all away. I'm going to go live by myself on an island. Like that's yeah. spectacular failure. Most people <laughs> don't get that far. Yeah. And I, and I think that it's, I, I do think that there are certainly characters that we, we see as, as fallible. And, and we saw Luke as that. We saw Luke's failures, his shortcomings and all those things. And, you know, people aren't wrong when they say that in the, expanded universe that Luke was more of a superhero than a Jedi. He became the most powerful Jedi who ever lived. Far and in away. The expanded universe. Yeah, far and away. Um, I mean, so, so they're not totally wrong about the way some of the writers treated him later, but we're not counting those things, right? So we're talking yeah. about just the movies. And so I see this as while it's okay to have characters that are fallible, 
First of all, these same people that talk about, well, we needed to see this character fail because of, you know, this is real. This makes him more real, more relatable. Are also the people that constantly scream about Star Wars is for kids. <laughs> kids don't need a hero that's a failure. So I think that that's a little bit hypocritical on their part to, to make those claims because, you know, especially in a fantasy world, I think that it's perfectly fine and reasonable to have characters who are, they don't necessarily have to be perfect, but are pretty close to it. That's why Superman has been around so long. Yeah. Uh, because up until fairly modern comics, Superman was always the big blue boy scout. He's always going to do the, he's always going to do the right thing. He's always going to be the hero. Um, he's never going to run away from his problems. He he's, he is what he is. And, and, um, for some reason we live in an age where that's kind of frowned on to have character heroes that are sort of infallible, but it's like, you know, it's like Lord of the Rings. What if you had gotten to the end of the movie and Gan or if Aragorn took the ring? I mean, it's that kind of thing, though, right? Right. Or if Gandalf had said, screw this, you're on your own. Yeah, what if Gandalf went off to an island and didn't help Frodo and Sam? Yeah, and and then someone came to tell him that his best friend Aragorn died. Not wasn't his best friend, but like Aragorn died and he just went, huh, it's pretty messed up. And then didn't care. Right. Like, and that's the thing. And so that's what I'm saying, especially in the realm, because let's not forget that there are some science fiction elements to star Wars. I'd say that the Mandalorian is very sci-fi where yeah. when you involve the force, it becomes in, in the original star Wars movies, the original trilogy, especially really the, the, the first six movies, it's very fantasy. Um, yeah, and, and it always was meant to be fantasy, not science fiction. Yeah. And it's very fantasy. I think that especially in the fantasy realm, I think it's perfectly fine to have characters that don't mirror our real world failures. Yeah. Here's the thing. And I'm sure you're going to agree with this. There's room for both. Yeah. And because there's room for both, that means you don't have to take already existing characters like Luke Skywalker and turn them into this joke. Shell of a uh, man. Shell of a man. Yeah. Now, at, as a story, just at face value, that's fine. A, a story about a man becoming a shell of himself. But in this fantasy world that we already had, that we had connected to these characters. I just don't think it was the right storytelling move to do that to somebody like Luke Skywalker. I don't think it'd be the right storytelling move to do that to somebody like Aragorn. Um, but then on the other hand, you have fantasy series like Game of Thrones, which are full of people that are just more than just flaw have more than just flaws. Right. Flaws is one thing. Yeah. Luke has tons of flaws. Mm -hmm. Aragorn has flaws. Frodo has flaws. But to take it and, and write them as, like, failures, there's plenty of that in Game of Thrones. Ned, Ned Stark, 
the ultimate fantasy hero gets his head chopped off by the end of the first book because he sucked because he because he failed right um like and but that's but that's a different story yeah and that's what i'm saying there are certainly room for that that story is about what makes no sense to me is to take a and that's why i compared it to lord of the rings because it's a very old story to take a story that not just had 40 years of movie history but also had during that same 40 year stretch, a lot of literary history, a lot of comics, a lot of novels written about this character. And to me, that's sort of like taking, that would be like making Gandalf a, a failure loser in, in Lord of the Rings. Like it's a, it's. I think that there are plenty of places, and it, it's important to understand failure. Um, but I think that in what is supposed to be a kid's movie, the character that fails but continues moving forward is a much more valuable yeah. character than the one who runs away from his problems. Yeah. And you and can make this true. argument, well, Luke comes back and he does this and that, but he only does because of the prodding, because someone comes and almost forces his hand. Yeah. What would have saved The Last Jedi for me personally is like, fine, he left, that sucks, I hate that. But the second he finds out that Han is dead, snaps out of it. Yeah. Um, it comes back. But yeah, see, the thing about Luke Skywalker, and this is what it made me think of, is... A bit, one of the most common character traits amongst fantasy heroes or just heroes in story in general is they don't give up. Right. Like you could have them fail and go through all these things, but they don't give up. Well, and that's and, sort of supposed to be Luke's and Leia's theme. Um, it's, yeah. it's kind of their mother's parting wish yeah. is hope. Hope. Yes. Literally the, the name of the movie is a new hope. Luke is the new, like, literally Luke is hope and, and that has become a fundamental part of his character. That's who he is. He does not give up. He has plenty of flaws, but he doesn't give up. And so the reason last Jedi doesn't work is because you actually removed a piece of his character. It's the same reason I don't like when Batman kills people in movies, because I think a fundamental part of Batman's character is that he doesn't kill. And so when you take that away, then you have the same effect that I think the last Jedi has on Luke, where the problem isn't necessarily that he's failing. The problem is that he's, or that the problem isn't that he's given up. The problem is that nothing that we knew about his character ever led us to believe that he would give up. Right. Um, It's just bad character writing. It's the reason. Now I love the next generation movies, Star Trek next generation, but a reason a lot of people don't like them is because Picard becomes more of an action hero. And in their eyes, there was nothing about his character that would lead them to believe that he would ever go. I'm going to make them pay (laughs) for what they've done. Like that's why people don't like the next, um, the next generation movies. And I think it's the same thing where, the problem is you're taking these characters and is removing pieces of them. Right. And just and it happens to be in this case, an important piece is the willingness to never give up. And I think what you're getting at with, with how that affects overall fantasy is the more characters that you take away that trait from, I think the worse the storytelling gets. Yeah. If you if, if you're if if you're writing a new fantasy series and 
you don't give your character the will to not give up, then what is even the story? Yeah. Because you need once those, he fails, you need he's those characters. And the story's over. What if the first time that Frodo and enc- what if when Frodo got stabbed, he it's just like, went home? It's like, nah, man, I'm done. All right, that's enough. He went home. Yeah. When you take away the willingness to not never give up, then the story is ruined because there's no more story because the character would just go home. Right. Or go to an island and lock himself away for 30 years. And I think that's the that that ruins the storytelling. Right. Now, if you're setting out in the first place to tell a story specifically about a character who gives up. Absolutely. That, sure. Absolutely. I 100 percent agree with that. I'm not saying never do this. Um, here's my concern about it because I kind of lived through the era of science fiction. You know, of course it grew up, I was, I was born in 80. So I grew up with a lot of older science fiction, you know, track and those sorts of things. And then all the new science fiction that was coming up, but I literally kind of watched, even though it had kind of started around the time I was born it really didn't like fully flesh out till the nineties, but where you watch science fiction shift from very hopeful for the future mm-hmm. to no hope for the future to the point where there was a long stretch where all science fiction was post-apocalyptic and those things aren't bad. That's not a bad thing. Like I love a post, you know, post-apocalyptic uh, science fiction my personal favorite genre. Right. And I, there's a lot of movies that I would say are among some of my favorites. They're in that genre. So it wasn't that thing. And and that's always been a thing. Like you go back to a lot of the oldest science fiction writing. There's always been post-apocalyptic science fiction, Mm -hmm. but all, all of a sudden all science fiction was hopeless. Yeah. It, It predicted a terrible future for mankind. It became dark, it became gritty, it became depressing until suddenly you weren't getting very much good science fiction. No. And and I think that we're kind of beginning to come out of that. I do have some concerns that, because I think this is playing the same line over in the fantasy realm, but I think Star Wars is enough on the bubble that it's affecting both genres. um, Where... I think we might drive science fiction back fully into just being all dark. Yeah. And I really don't want to see fantasy go to the point where it's all dark. Like, I think that, I think that the balance of, of lighthearted stories and the dark stories are, are the better, the better balance where you get both perspectives. Um, And I'm afraid that, the last Jedi is the spark that could potentially drive fiction, uh, science fiction and fantasy down that road even further. The, the thing is, I don't want writers or producers, whoever's in charge of creating this stuff to think that in order to be successful, you have to do that. Exactly. And that's what the problem is, 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 and, and we, we've said it so many times in the show, might as well be the motto. Companies love learning the wrong lessons. Yep. And so you don't want writers to look at 
stuff like The Last Jedi and think like, oh man, well Star Wars did it. Star Wars is huge, so I guess I gotta write it like this. Now yeah. I'm not I'm not saying that every writer is going to do that. I, I like to think that I'm hopeful for the future and, I, and hopeful for humanity. And I like to think that most people, especially like writers can look at stuff like that and decide, you know what? No, I'm going to write it how I want to write it, whatever that may be. Um, but I don't want writers to think that they have to I also don't want there to be this idea that in order to write a human character, in order to write a relatable character, that he has to be a complete shit bag. Right. Because humans are not all complete garbage bags. Like, look at the Luke. In a lot of ways, is what you want to be. But he's also he's very relatable while also walking that line of being sort of larger than life and and something to aspire to be while also being like super relatable. Right. And you can do that. And and you don't have to make somebody garbage in order to relate to them or make them a failure, failure or make them crappy. I'm thinking of a Miles O'Brien from Star Trek. He's Mm -hmm. the most relatable character in the entire franchise. Right. And he's great. He's not a failure. He just, he's one of the smartest people in the whole show. He, he's the chief engineer and, and in deep Space nine at least. And, but he's still, he doesn't fail at everything he does, but he's relatable because he has to work hard and he, faces setbacks and he does make mistakes and he deals with human problems, but he himself is not like a garbage human being. And you don't have to write your characters like that in order to make them relatable. And that's the lesson that I think might be learned. Right. That's my fear is, Oh man. Or the lesson be like, okay, well I did. I don't want the next step in the hero's journey. Like the wheel. I don't want someone to insert the next step being whatever happened to Luke in the last Jedi. Right. Like, okay, well, that's the next step in the hero's journey, right? He ends up because Luke is like the archetype for the hero's journey. Right. Um, and and so in a way, that means that the next step in the hero's journey is to have a bad dream and then try to kill your nephew and then go off to an island and hide away for 30 years. And then hope you get a moment of redemption before you die. Hopefully, yeah. Hope. Yeah. Um, um, and that's not, that's not what hope means. That's not what a new hope was talking about with the word hope. Okay. Right. It's just, it's the, for people, if you're listening to this and you don't understand why people don't just celebrate Luke's character in the last Jedi, you literally took very arguably the biggest hero in cinema history. Yeah. And made him a loser. <laughs> a loser. That's the perfect word. Is is even worse than just a failure. You made him a loser. And, and the word loser is so beautiful. Because it used to mean just like, that's what people would call you when you're just a nerd. Right. But no, what as you grow older, you realize a loser is just somebody who like, is a societal loser. Who like, doesn't contribute anything and it's just a big slob and a mooch. And that's what Luke became. Yeah. Just a shell and a joke. And because he didn't just run away from the galaxy, he ran away from his sister. He ran away from his nephew, his best friend. Yeah. Uh, you know, everything that he didn't even take, he didn't even take R2 with him. They didn't even take R2 with him. 
exactly like that hurt and then when he discovers that his best friend has died he just like shrugs it off almost i mean he does go to the he does go to the falcon and kind of have a moment but it's still it's like why is that not the moment where he's ready to jump in the falcon and yeah go back and like i said i would have forgiven a lot of that movie if that was the case right um when he sees R2 and she, and he plays the help me Obi-Wan Kenobi or my hope. That was a great moment. I mm-hmm. think if even that was him being like, okay, but no, like, and then in the end, arguably he doesn't even show up. Right. It just faces in. Um, right. Well, that was, that was some, uh, odd continuity things. That was one of the things that the, uh, rise of skywalker changed the the ship was supposed to be on the x-wing was mm-hmm. supposed to be unusable uh sunk at the bottom of the ocean and the door uh-huh. on his little hut was actually supposed to have been part of the ship part of the x-wing so like uh, his x-wing is supposed to just be scrap okay and so um you know but we get to the rise of Skywalker and they turn around and it turns out the X-Wing was fine the whole time, which actually serves to make that a little worse that he didn't show up. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So before we wrap up kind of the last part, this was another sort of related. a, A lot of this has come from Twitter conversations. Uh, I've seen this week and, and the last part of it, and I think this is a really fair question, and I don't think there's a right or wrong answer here. We'll, we'll know in like 20 years. Um, you know, the, the prequels, although I would argue that the prequels were never hated as much as people act like they were. Um, I, there, are, there have always been a lot of people that love the prequels. I'm one of them. I, I'm a I'm a or, original uh, prequel defender, uh, largely because for their failings in the use of the new technology in the filmmaking, and in some of George Lucas's directing of actors, uh, the story is all there and it's very compelling. Uh, but I saw the question posed: in in twenty years, do you think that the sequel trilogy will have grown on people? the way the prequels have. Oh man. I think that, I think it'll be a situation where, you know how Marisha was like a kid when the prequels are coming out. Yeah. Or like a teenager. And so she kind of grew up with it and loving it like that. People like that who were like 13 when the last Jedi came out and stuff like that are going to, be like Marisha where they grow up and they're going to be like, Oh no, but here's, here's why I really liked it. And it was great. And this is the star Wars I grew up with. Yep. And I think that's exactly, I think that's exactly what's going to happen actually is I don't think people who hate the, the sequels right now are going to magically like the sequels. I think that just more people what? will see them and grow up and then talk about it. And then, there will be more people talking about it who like them. And more people will experience them earlier in their lives. More people will experience them early in their lives. Um, exactly. Yeah. That makes that makes sense. And that kind of, that actually may shift the way I see it a little bit. 
Um, because I don't think a lot of people, and I, I don't think there's this idea that people's minds have changed about the prequels. And I, I just, I don't know that that's true. I, I think that, I think just more people who like them have been talking about it. I, 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 I think so too. I mean, I think like, I think you can look at me and look at your dad. Like I love the prequels. I always have. They, there are certainly flaws in them. But like I said, it tells a very, they tell a very compelling story. Your dad, he really doesn't like the prequels. And he has it from the start. And he hasn't from the start. And his opinion really hasn't changed on them since the day we watched the first one. No. And I doubt his opinion will change on the sequels, which he, he doesn't like The Last Jedi. He loves The Rise of Skywalker. I like The Rise of Skywalker fine. I think The Force Awakens was a great, was a great beginning to that trilogy. I think The Force Awakens is slowly going to become, amongst film fans, I think The Force Awakens is going to be one of the most disliked Star Wars movies in 20 years, when we can all look back at back at it as a retrospective. Yeah. Because people, because there's that argument, it's just a new hope, which I don't think is necessarily fair um, when people say that. But I think as amongst like film fans, it'll be looked down on. Yeah. Um, while I think amongst just like Star Wars fans, especially kids who the first time they saw Star Wars was when they were eight years old and they walked into the theater and it was the opening night of A Force Awakens, they're going to love Force Awakens. Yeah. Um, as for Rise of Skywalker, I really have no idea how people... I think people who love Last Jedi are going to grow up and continue to love Last Jedi. I think people who hate Last Jedi are going to continue to hate Last Jedi. Rise of Skywalker, I don't know, because I can't. I still can't quite put my finger on the pulse of who likes Rise of Skywalker and who doesn't. I think yeah. most, for the most part, it's if you hate Last Jedi, you probably love Rise of Skywalker and vice versa. Yeah. Probably. And, and I, I think, think. Th- I love a lot of things about the Rise of Skywalker. I, I think that, and, and by, honestly, by no fault of his own, J.J. had to try to squeeze way more than he should have had to into that movie. Yeah. Yeah. It was really dumb decision to not have that trilogy planned out from the beginning. It was, and and when it when it boils down to it, that's what sets those trilogies apart. And people will say, you know, the the last Jedi defenders will say, well, you know, the original trilogy wasn't planned out from the start either, which is not entirely true. Sure, story points changed as it developed that yeah. made it better, but you had one storyteller holding the reins of the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, different directors. But you had George Lucas there. And there were certainly things like the the making Luke and Leia siblings is a thing that changed. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, but but the story was largely, there was a rough of the whole story uh-huh. from the get. And a lot changed, but that doesn't mean that it didn't, it wasn't a concise, you know, a, a single story from the beginning. Yeah. I think that, it's not jarring at all to watch the original trilogy, like from boom, boom, boom. Like you can watch them back to back to back. Well, when you watch the sequel trilogy back to back to back, it just isn't going to work that nearly no. as well. When well, I would say the prequels are the same way as far as like that, they're very, you know, like I said, there are flaws, but they, they flow as a story. You can watch them back to back to back. 
really well, I think. And I, and this one, like it or not, and whichever one you, whether you love the last Jedi or love the rise of Skywalker and hate the other, it's, there's no debating that it's been very divisive and that's not for no reason. And it's, it's disjointed. It's very disjointed storytelling. Yeah. And it's because you had two different people who wanted to do two different things. Yeah. I mean, realistically, you had three different writers. The, yeah, which is even worse. So, and then, yeah, so. You know, I don't know what the future view of those movies will be. It, it may partially depend on what comes after. It does. I, I, what's next for the Star Wars movie? If Star World, Wars, I'm not sure. If Star Wars comes out, if Lucasfilm comes out with the next movie and it's just a total stinker, yeah, then it's it. That's only going to cast that much more of a shadow over the sequels. Yeah, you know, I'm always a big, uh, I'm always a big proponent of just stopping. You know, they're never going to stop making Star Wars, but yeah. uh, they definitely need a break from the movies, which they've taken. Well, they've, they've had, I mean, they've been off for a few years now. Right. Um, but you know, I'm always a big proponent of like, stop drilling. You hit oil. Like, you know, it, there's always a talk of what's the next, what's the next, um, Star Trek movie going to be. What I mean, star, star Wars movie going to be, what's the next Star Wars movie going to be. And it's like, you know, if we have to ask this question and it's so hard to come up with an answer, I don't know. Right. You know, unless you have an idea, make it. I I hope we were. Do- I mean, I'm pretty sure we're done with Sky- anything having to do with Skywalker. Oh, I think we're done with Skywalkers for a long time. Yeah. And I, honestly, I hope we're, I hope we're through for the time being, with this, you know, fifty year window yeah. into Star Wars. I agree. Um, and, and it's not that I wouldn't love more movies set in this era. I just think it's probably for the betterment of the brand right yeah. now to go explore something different. And we've got Mandalorian taking place at this, at this time. And it's, um, and they're, but they're, they're kind of, they've kind of built their own formula for how to do it. They have. And it works uh, you got very Kenobi well. That's going to be taking place within this kind of 50 year time span. So let the shows kind of do that. But yeah, movie trilogy, let's go way back. Yeah. I'd prefer to go back instead of forward. But Also, I'm a big pusher of um, not everything has to be a trilogy. Yeah. If you remember, like the whole thing was like, oh, Ryan Johnson's getting a trilogy. And then the guys from Game of Thrones are getting a trilogy. And it's like, how about just make a, like two, make how, two movies. Or just how about make one? And if it's really good, then you can make a second one. Make a second one. Yeah. That's what <laughs> they wanted to do a solo. But then for some reason, people didn't like solo because they were mad about Last Jedi. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Solo was totally a victim of... Solo's going to be one of those movies that in like 20 years, I think people are going to look back and like it more. I, yeah, I think when you look up the five movies released so far in the Disney era, um, I think that the two, the, the, the two that people are going to look back on the most with the most fondness are going to be Solo and Rogue One. Yeah, I could imagine a world though where Rogue. I think you're right, but I could imagine a world where Rogue One actually gets looked down upon the more time goes on. I think because a lot of people, I'm sure there are a lot of more cynical people who are going to be like, "You only like it because of that one Darth Vader scene. The rest of the movie is actually pretty subpar." 
Yeah, Which there's I'm always going to be people like that. Because I see the point. Wait, what? Yeah. I, there's always going to be people like that. Yeah. And, and, I, and, and to be fair, I do see that point. It's definitely the best part of the movie. But I think the rest of the movie... Oh, but the whole Battle of Scarif really is pretty darn good. Yeah. And it's one of the best space battles in any Star Wars movie. Yeah, I agree. It, it, visually, it's one of the best-looking Star Wars movies for sure. Um, and so there's a lot to like about it. But uh, there will be more and more people who dislike Rogue One. But I think overall, they will be looked back upon fondly. Force yeah. Awakens is, is up there as well. Will be yeah. looked on fondly overall. Right. It's its whole problem. The only problem with the Force Awakens is it's always going to be weighed down by the baggage of the other two uh, in the trilogy. Yeah. And because like it or not, man, they've got some serious baggage and it may be uh, that yeah. in 30 years when the movie going audiences, the people consuming them are, you know, a lot younger. Yeah. That, you know, the, the ideas about them may totally change. Yeah. Uh, but I don't really buy the idea that the attitude towards the prequels have changed. I don't think they've changed. I think just, yeah, I've seen a lot of like video essays on like when did people start liking the prequels, and it's like, it's like they were some of the most successful movies of all time. People always yeah, liked them. People have always liked the prequels. It's just more people are talking about. Now, I'm not a big prequel person myself. Um, to be to be clear, um, they're definitely not some of my favorites, but I never hated them. But no, I don't think people have suddenly started liking the prequels. I don't think it's a bandwagon thing. I think it is literally just more people grew up and got access to the internet to talk about it. Yeah. And also more people grew up and could talk about it intelligibly, like make YouTube videos about it mm -hmm. instead of just like blabbing about it, like actually make like videos about it and stuff like that. And, and a lot of people, a lot of people like the prequels. I don't think the attitude of has changed, but I think that with these Disney movies, I think attitudes actually literally will change for yeah. some of them. Yeah. yeah it's going to be interesting to see for sure. And like I said, you know, I wanted to talk about this and, and most of this, it was not really about bashing the last Jedi or, you know, anything like that. It's just simply that looking at the division in the fandom, uh, gives me serious pause about kind of the, the immediate future, like the next 20 years of sci-fi and fantasy filmmaking. Yeah. I, I totally see your point. And it is definitely something it's going to be one of like one of the most important movies made in the last 20 years for that very reason of how it's shifting sci-fi and fantasy. And you're right. Star Wars is right there on the border of both of them, that it affects both of them a lot. Yeah. Um, I think things like JJ Abrams, Star Trek movies have done the same thing. Um, with yeah. sort of how sci-fi is, is viewed. Yeah. Um, and that's why we have a show like Discovery right now, uh, Star Trek Discovery, which I've heard a lot of people say that Star Trek Discovery would be better if they just set it in the Kelvin universe. Like, I think people would have been Kelvin. more okay with it. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, I still think that it would be a huge departure from Gene Roddenberry's, uh, you know, his vision. Yeah. You know, Star Trek is really, when it boils down to it, it's more than just a storytelling, you know, storytelling. It, it's really, it's about Gene Roddenberry's vision for humanity. Yeah. And I think that the version of the future for humanity that Discovery is telling 
is not one that Gene Roddenberry would have wanted to see come to fruition. No. And I now I, I haven't seen much of Discovery just clips, but the point I'm getting at is like Star Wars and Star Trek, the two biggest sci-fi franchises ever, right? right? Both of them right now with what's coming out right now are entirely different from what they were 30 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. And that's a little strange when you think about like, you think about something like Lord of the Rings. Now there's not like constant Lord of the Rings media being produced, but Lord of the Rings is still like the same Lord of the Rings that it has been for a hundred years. Right. Although there's people that would love to see that change. Yeah. <laughs> We've, I remember the articles. So, so um, that, I mean, that's out there. And of course we don't know what the future holds for this series coming from Amazon. And, you know, so far the biggest complaints I'm seeing are, you know, the ones complaining about, you know, they're very excited about their diverse cast because the originals didn't have that. And it's like, on one hand I go, well, it's literally, you know, ancient England. Yeah, it, it it it's his vision of it was mostly white people. Um, however, I personally don't have a problem with them having a more diverse cast. I agree. That's that's completely fine. That doesn't take away from a thing that Tolkien wrote. No. In fact, in a, a very you know some of his characters are described in great detail, and some of them in almost zero detail. Yeah. So it, it is what it is. It's you're making a huge, you're, you're making the biggest investment anybody's ever made in a TV show and you want the largest possible audience to watch it. Yeah. It's hard to blame them for going for a more diverse cast. I just On the other hand, you get the whole, do what? I just don't want to see his work misinterpreted. That's my concern I, is that people and I, take and, and destroy that destroy his writings. That's what I don't want to see. Yeah. And, 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 and diversity in casting does not do that. Yeah. Um, but it also concerns me that that's what they're like hyping up about it. It's like, I want to be hyped up about the stories you're going to tell. And they're really not that concerned with what the cast looks like. Yeah. Um, but the fact that what you're mostly hearing is you know, to get people hyped up about it, we've got a really diverse cast. And it's like, that doesn't mean it's going to be good. Yeah, <laughs> like, what's the script? What's the script look like? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, but I, you know, I, I think this is all a, a very interesting conversation. And I, I think that it's going to be really interesting to see how things play out over the next decade or two. Yeah, it is. But anyway, I think unless you've got something to add, I think that's going to wrap us up for the night. No, I, I um, I think I'm. I think I've made my point, and I'm. If I if I kept talking, I'd probably just keep repeating myself. Hopefully, so. we didn't ramble too much. Uh, and hopefully, well, you'll find out in editing. I will. I'll find out in editing, and you will find, and everybody else will find out when I'm done. Uh, <laughs> so, good luck, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Although, if, if you made it this far before I told you how rambly it was going to be, it's too late. Got him. But anyway, uh, David, until next week, where can people find you? 
You guys can find me on Twitter complaining about seeds and my seedless grapes at David underscore JG Peoples. All right. And you can find me running the Twitter account for this show at Sci underscore Fictionary. You can drop us a line at the sciencefictionary.com. And as always, check out our podcast as well as the rest of our Red 5 podcast family at red5network.com and at red5network on Twitter. And until next time, may the force be with you.